Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So today I have with me uh, a uh, professor of computer science, and I know you may be thinking, what, computer science? Why computer science? This is all about leadership and um, related. Um, Well, you're going to see in just a moment, but the professor I have um, has done some research. He's going to tell us a little bit about his research, and I think you're going to see why I invited him to have a conversation with me today, because his research is on language and persuasion and a number of other things. So I'm pleased to introduce to you, the audience, um, someone who um, I think will be able to add to us as much as other people have. Um, Welcome, Chin Hao Tan. Welcome, Chin Hao. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. And so, um, you know, why don't we start out by tell me a little bit about what you're doing. I'm so fascinated that you are, you know, you're you're a professor in computer science department. um, And um, some of your research has included things like human-centered AI, uh, natural language processing, and, and computational social science. So why don't we start there? Tell me a little bit about the work you do kind of on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess like following where it started from, I think a lot of people have the notion of computer science as cause looking at the computer or studying the inner side of the computer, but I think computer science is doing much more than that these days. And in particular, a lot of my work is about understanding people and like boy, just the reason that branched out was through understanding social media and how people talk to each other on social media and can we learn anything about language and the impact of language through such a large volume of data. And this is, I think, AI is another like very important terms, uh, very important concept that's getting more and more attention. And like a lot of my recent work also think about what the best way to integrate AI into our society, and that's what I thought as human-centered AI. Ah, okay, okay. And um, so you, part of um, what I, I described at the beginning was that I know you're doing some work um, on research and language. Um, I told you that I, I read an article that was published by you and some of your colleagues. I know a few of them at um, Cornell. I guess you were at Cornell at the time as well. Yeah. Um, but this article where it looks like you you did some analysis of, of um, people posting information on Reddit and um, looking at their, um, the outcomes of their persuasion efforts. And so we can learn a little bit from that by – um, looking at how people, I, I'm assuming, uh, changed minds or got people to see things their way. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what that research looks like, how you, how you structured it, and, and really what you were trying to, what kind of questions you were trying to answer by looking at 
um, people's language patterns and the outcomes of uh, when they were trying to influence others? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, um, well, we start from like, with all of the authors and my colleagues and I are interested in persuasion, but it's also very hard to study problems. It seems very rare, and when it happens, we don't really know. And this is even worse on the internet. You know, where I think, like, especially like, with all of going on voices about Twitter, and many people may have, like, this, um, this impression that the internet is full of, like, toxic content, misinformation, and very hard to get positive uh, impacts from the internet. Um, one thing that probably all study is that we found this very nice community called Change My View on Reddit, which ah. is the name, right? This community is entirely dedicated to people changing each other's opinion, but created in such a nice environment where a good amount of persuasion is happening, and we collected all the data set until the time that we did our study, and use that data to look at like, how interaction dynamics on the community affects the success rate of persuasion and how language affects the success rate of persuasion. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of like kind of interesting things like, about how the community acts to that and like which is really kind of gold mine for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and so essentially um and I'd love to hear now you've told me. I don't know if this, if it, if the, if the area still exists. I'm fascinated by the idea that that's basically why people uh, are there is for people to to either change minds or to have or be open to people changing their mind. Right? Is that that pretty much it? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I think that this idea of that is quite ingenious. Right? I think the they. I set up for people who are willing to have their opinion changed. And in order to do that, you are required to make a post with a minimal requirement or length. And in that post, you need to explain why you hold this opinion. And then other people are invited to provide counter-arguments. And if their argument successfully convinces you to change your opinion, you will give what they call data. It's somewhere big nearly term, but like having indicated change, and as a result, uh, we have like very nice observation about when an argument successfully changed and what else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, uh, tell me a little bit about. So, what did you find? What What were the things that um, I would imagine that there was kind of a structure to when you found people were more successful than others, which is where I think our lesson is. Um, you know, I'm, I thought about, I don't know if you've seen this, but there, there was, uh, there's a, a video of Steve Jobs um, fielding a question from someone um, that actually kind of insulted him, but um, yeah. asked a couple of really good questions about, um, the direction and how do you know what you're doing and what do you do, you know, um, but, but, but it has been presented as a really good example of how to respond. Um, and I think, I think in this, um, in this response, what Steve Jobs did, and I've heard some people do analyses of his response, but basically said that the way he started out 
was kind of first disarming the person by agreeing with them. And so um, it, which, which in kind of the science of argumentation and persuasion, um, it seems as though that there are, there are structurally, there are ways in which you do persuade people. So I want to um, get down to, so what are the lessons that some of our leaders take from, like we, from hearing um, what it is that you found that, that people who were successful at uh, changing minds or changing opinions, how did they go about that? What are some of the ways in which you've seen that? Yeah, I, I just let them, like, very, you know, the, the essential part of this works, right? I, I think, let me, let me start with things that are not really language-related, but I think this may be useful, too. Like, one thing that I'm going to observe is that it is helpful to be able to engage the other party in several rounds of conversation. Um, there, there is this, this interesting kind of nonlinear relation where if you can get a person to talk to you in for like two or three rounds, generally, the more you talk, the more likely you are going to change the other person's opinion. Uh-huh. But if you start to go over four or five, get to six rounds, right, then the likelihood starts to go down and you kind of get under a mode where you are essentially beating a dead horse and you have really exhausted your main point and the other party have, I guess, decided that they are not willing to change the opinion based on this kind of argument. And at that point, uh, it's kind of a waste of time for you to get going. And I think that was very useful. And the other kind of point at that level is that generally what we observe is that if we look at the person who wants their opinion to get changed, the more people that try to change their, change their opinion, the more likely that this person will successfully change their opinion. Um, hmm. And then let's move on to some of the language related phenomena. I think one thing that we find is most, kind of most interesting is that generally it seems that it's good that you, fo- you follow the other person's style, but it provides a different perspective hmm. to um, somehow, like there's also like there's a lot of work called linguistic accommodation. I mean, this really means like when you, when the other person says aha, uh-huh, and then you will also say aha, uh-huh, or like using some of like the similar words of speaking, or similar styles mm-hmm. of speaking as the other party, and that may make that person feel more comfortable, and that may uh, increase the chances of persuasion, and providing a different perspective. Uh, is also kind of important. And if your argument is too similar to the original uh, reason, person, the reason for hold the argument in the first place, it won't change that person's argument. Ah. Um, and on, in this case, like saying, um, with one more and then I'll uh, stop. And one more positive and one more negative. So one positive thing can be like citing evidence, and that seems to be particularly useful in the community. Um, mm. And the one thing that's negative is that it seems like directly quoting the other doesn't seem to be the best option. And if you quote the other person, you may also be perceived as nitpicking and um, not the best way to uh. in the community. Uh-huh. Fascinating. Those are very fascinating points. I guess first what I heard you say was that 
um, the more you talk, then the more likely you are to change their mind. But there's a there's a kind of threshold, right? So if if you go yep. to you go through too many exchanges, uh, which is something to keep in mind. Um, I wonder though. I mean, I know these are, or at least they appear to be, since you I know how Reddit works. Um, they they are asynchronous, correct? I mean, like these aren't yep. aren't yep. aren't. Uh, live conversation. So with, I mean, that's an interesting point, though, um, to keep in mind, because if we're talking about asynchronous discourse, then you have a chance to really kind of take as long as you want to think about it, uh, maybe even do some of your own research versus being on the spot, say, at the water cooler or in the hallway at work. Um, or even in the meeting, um, where where you, but I but I still think some of this is still useful, but but it's just important, and I wonder uh, to what extent it might be influenced by time if there are time constraints around um, those those opportunities to exchange. So, but, but what I did hear you say is that there's this threshold that if you get too much into a back and forth, uh, maybe the psychology behind it is that the person um, with the original argument is more likely after say seven rounds to get to dig their heels in and even be more defensive. What do you think? Yes. I think that's exactly what was happening. And I think it's difference between like live conversation and signal conversation is kind of very interesting one. And as you were from now like change you kind of have this rule that the OP will like the original poster who want the opinion to get changed will stay online for a while. So like it's not like unlimited time, but it is like I think this uh, people who provide counter have some time to go through their counter um, you know, way I think a good analogy is that, like, I guess, like, emailing or, like, some um, text radio itself or, like, some social media is actually, like, shares the similar structure. You are not forced to have the conversation right away. Actually, mm-hmm. um, this, like, we have, like, separate studies ongoing. That's kind of interesting where we get people to negotiate with each other, you know, kind of experiment in a lab setting where we ask one person to be a seller of a house and the other person will be a buyer and they talk to each other about in real time and, and see what price they settle down, settle at and kind of try to understand how language can erode there. And I think that like, it will be a setting that's closer to this uh, real time mm-hmm. communication setting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is really important. Um, you know, a lot of the people in my audience are, as I mentioned, leaders. And so it's just something for them to keep in mind, too, because a lot of what we do in leadership roles, not only is it just influence, but yeah, we, I mean, we're we are trying to persuade people all the time, whether it is uh, to persuade uh, people to um, to jump on board with our vision of a project or a way, you know, where we want to go, or uh, whether we want to influence them uh, to behave a certain way, to talk a certain way, or what have you. So, 
um, these are yeah. this, these are very important uh, things uh, points to, to keep in mind. The second thing I heard you say was about following they, their style, which I, I think is is an interesting finding as well, um, because sometimes it's it's almost uh, uh, kind of natural that when you're talking to people to to use some of the words that they're using, but I just think about the Im, the impact of doing that intentionally. Like you know, keep it in mind that when you're going to persuade, is that so? Um, a way that I can do that in a genuine way that doesn't seem you know kind of disingenuous is that you you start to adjust your language in such a way that it is similar to the way they would speak if they are, if they've taken a more, and I, and I take that to mean is, uh, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that if they, if they are talking in a more relaxed colloquial way, you don't want to necessarily be very technical with them um, when you're trying to persuade them either. Is that, is that more what you're talking about? Or is there some other way you mean by following? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's where I'm going towards. I guess I, but like, I think, Sorry, technically I'm violating this rule right now. Um, but I'm going to put in my academic, academic, academia hat on. Okay. No, it's okay. Point out that I think. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, exactly measuring whether someone is talking in a very reactive way or a particular style is actually a problem. So our measures are not exactly that, but I do think that the, that the, the, the goal or the, the proxy that we are trying to capture. Mhm. Mhm. I see. I see. And then, if you don't mind, yeah. say, tell me, tell me a little more about when you said um, citing evidence. Um, I mean, I guess I know on its face what that is, but tell me a little more about um, what you mean by citing evidence. What would that look like? And is there is there is does there actually a detrimental effect of doing too much of that, or what's what seems to be the right balance? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I think like what we were looking at online, a lot of what I mean by citing evidence there was kind of looking at uh, whether the argument, the current argument can, can include the URLs or like PDF files that include like external evidence that can be beyond um, the context. And there we don't see any detrimental effect. In general, I think it has to be a good thing that you, if you include more evidence. And one thing that we also kind of is examples along this line, right? And, and we also see that it's by using examples generally helping. Um, and there we see an observed right turn, turning point. And like, I think one thing that we find about this is, I actually like use this uh, signal kind of data in my work, like I think this notion of like uncertainty or like expressing some, saying that something maybe, something is, of saying I think it's not right. Nothing does that. Like adding some qualification to a statement seems to also help in terms ah. of changing the other people's mind. So, so you mean, so you're saying that saying I think actually helps um, persuade? Yeah, like I think in this study, like. Like, like using software, like I said, another way to be able to see Ah, um, okay. 
like it could be possible. Yeah, I, I think I would just like take 
again, for Halloween, so I'll just take this opportunity to maybe like quickly talk about another, uh, like the, the study that I was mentioning about negotiation. I think that one thing that maybe you talk more people is uh-huh. one kind of very interesting that we found was that when you are buying a house or when you are selling a house, calling it home what the house actually makes different. And if you call it a home, you are le- you are um, less likely to get. If you are a buyer in home, you are less likely to get a good price because you like, um, are attaching value to sure. this young commodity. And then we simply call it a house. You simply mm-hmm. credit your offer. Um, mm. um, I guess like that was kind of an interesting observation. But in general, I think yeah, I, I think there's a lot of fascinating in our language and if they affect us in our everyday communication and I think like, it's very interesting to pay attention to the facts and think about how language can shape um, our interaction and even our strategy, I guess. Absolutely, and I've learned just a lot over the years about um, just the importance of language and and how, especially in leadership roles, how um, you your success uh, really depends on your ability to communicate, um, but for purpose. Um, and I, I I go back to my the word I used earlier is how intentional you are. Um, using uh, certain um, certain language, so uh, I, th- I think that's very good advice, and um, and and also is something that that is taught in negotiation. Uh, so as you're talking about uh, purchasing a home or selling a home, uh, what you do and how you do it in in the lang- the language uh, is very important. Um, and that that goes across a lot of different places where you might be negotiating. So thank you for uh, for sharing that. Um, also, thank you for again for coming on uh, and and uh, sharing your work. Um, you have any? I know you you had um, um, you mentioned. I know I, we corresponded a bit over LinkedIn. Thank you for uh, connecting with me. And I just want to thank you um, personally for this conversation. And uh, just I'm sure you've added a lot to uh, people who give us all something to think about, uh, about our language. We knew it was important, but here's where the science really bears out some of what we've been holding as true anyway. The science shows that um, there are, there's a considerable amount of success in uh, when you're intentional about the language you use. So wishing you the best with your research, and we'll keep our eyes open. I'm looking forward to your, your next article. Um, so until then, go well, stay well. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.